Monday night edition of the Crash the Pond podcast. Welcome back, everybody. This is going to be a fun episode. We've got a ton to discuss. The Ducks got got through the expansion draft last week. They got through the NHL entry draft. And there's even today some news with uh, the restricted free agents receiving qualifying offers. Some did not on the Ducks. So, Jake, we've, we don't have much time to waste here. I, think I know. We, we got to jump right in. It's shocking that we actually have a lot to talk about. This is might be the most uh, content actual or actual content filled episode we have this entire summer. Yeah, I mean, I I, I hope it won't be the last one that's this that that has this much news to dive into. Hopefully, we will have more to talk about in the next few weeks. But we'll we'll clue you in on on why we think there there needs to be more to talk about. But for now, let's just stick with what happened in the last week. So NHL expansion draft. Yes. Uh, uh, the, the Jake's favorite holiday, Jake's, uh, <laughs> Jake's national holiday, the expansion draft, the thing that he's been building up for, for, for a year. Did we it- did. I think we did a mo- like a, like protection list or like two years ago or something. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just happy for you that it, that it happened. Um, yeah. You know, but uh, yeah. So the Anaheim ducks, I know that you, uh, talked about this with CJ last week with their protection list, and unsurprisingly, uh, the 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 selection for Seattle from Anaheim was Hayden Flurry. And I don't know what just kind of your initial gut reaction impression. Now that there's been some time to digest it all, what do you take away from the the Ducks expansion draft? Yeah, and, and so I think the key aspect because there there was a lot of conversation i think going on around uh, the internet and we tried our best to discuss it last monday but i think having a little bit more time to digest it has been good that basically this wasn't a hayden flurry or nick delorier conversation so i think that that kind of narrative that i've seen some people say is not actually accurate so i think that it's good to kind of debunk that um what this actually was was whether it was hayden flurry or sam Steele or hayden flurry or max jones because at the end of the day, the Ducks had to make a decision, and Bomber even actually said this in a quote, or I think in, uh, in his interview they did on, for the Ducks YouTube channel, of essentially saying that they had to decide whether they would go 7-3 or go 8 skaters, and they decided they wanted to protect uh, their forwards because they were deeper at D. And so this wasn't a situation of Nick Delorier getting protected over Hayden Flurry. It was they had an extra slot and used it on Nick Delorier. I actually would maybe argue that if Seattle was thinking about taking Nick Deloria, exposing him would be a good idea. Cause then, but, but, but circling back to the actual important part of this conversation, um, the ducks basically made the decision because they thought that they had more depth in the system at D with Jackson Lacombe, with Henry Thrune, with, I guess, Axel Anderson, uh, all of those guys coming at Josh Mahura, uh, all of those guys kind of waiting in the wings, whereas they didn't feel as d- think they were as deep at the the forward position. Even though they have guys like uh, Bo Grew ready to come up, they have guys like uh, I mean Blake McLaughlin may not no. sign. He may be going back to college. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely more of a reach at, at forward. I mean Jacob Perot, um, but th- I mean they have a lot of guys on the roster in that age group though, with a- uh, Alexander Volkov in that similar age group. Max Comtois. So they don't really have guys necessarily in the system, but they have guys on the roster in that age group. And so I would kind of push back on that, that thought that they don't have 
centers or wingers in that same mold because they have those guys already, but they're just on the team. They're not necessarily quote unquote in the system. And so I, I think that if you're looking at it from the perspective of who was the uh, best case scenario player to lose, I don't think that it was Hayden Flurry. I think that Sam Steele or Max Jones probably would have been more beneficial to lose. Not saying that it's a, a good thing that they would have lost either of those players, but I think that you and I both agree on this, that both those guys are probably replacement level players in the long run, whereas Hayden Flurry at least seems like he's probably above replacement level. Yeah, so well, I think the the confusing thing for a lot of people is that the Ducks traded for Hayden Flurry. Yeah, trade deadline. They 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 didn't give up a ton. They give up Yanni Hockenbaugh mm-hmm. and a late round pick. But you would think that they brought him in. He really, do, I mean, he really did solidify. Yeah, their their blue line, and he's not a young young defenseman. He's in his mid twenties now, but still a guy that you can that that is in his prime and his early prime. And that and looked good at times on a pairing with Jamie Drysdale. So, for me, it was a little confusing. I understand well, the I understand the rationale of okay, we don't feel it quite as deep up front. Protect more guys there because the thing is, if they lose a forward, they don't have a they don't have that many NHL ready forwards in the system, and so they would probably need to replace someone through free agency. And maybe that's just from what it sounds like from the the tea leaves is that the Ducks really struggled with this decision. Yeah, like, and it seems like even into the final hours, they were the, not sure of what they were going to do. The thing that's weird to me, I guess, I think it's good that you brought this up with them trading for Flurry is, you know what you're getting into when you make that trade. You like it's not as if the Ducks made any additional trades after that in a in uh in, or for the expansion draft or uh to try and ma- adjust their protection list. So you make that trade, you know what you're getting yourself into. And so that's kind of the puzzling thing to me here is why were they struggling so much with this decision when they acquired this guy on purpose. You have to think that when you acquire a guy, you have some foresight in there. And I guess maybe that's the overall weird thought process here of like, are they really just kind of flying by the seat of their pants and just making decisions as they go and not actually having a long-term plan? And I think that's my concern and my frustration. That's my concern and frustration overall with the Ducks franchise on the whole though. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'll, uh, so, and, and also I think that what, it was kind of curious to see Jakob Silverberg's name on the protection list. Yeah, agreed. Just because I understand that at that point, they just wanted to protect more than four forwards, and so they're just slotting guys in at that point. It felt like Bob Murray not wanting to do wrong by, quote-unquote, his guys. Mm-hmm. That It was almost like a reputation-type thing more than anything else. Yeah, so I was asking around when the expansion draft list was was coming was about to come out, and someone told me, someone in the know said, no one on the inside knows any more than the people on the outside right now. Uh, no, n- Nobody knows what happens when the circus has no tent. So <laughs> uh, I think that there was, <laughs> there was maybe wow. some disarray. Who knows? Wow. But all this being said, I think in, in the big picture, there's definite quibbles with the specific details here. But in the big picture, this isn't, a huge loss for the ducks. I think it was correct. It does fit the broader narrative though, that we've talked about over the last couple of years where the ducks haven't made one single catastrophic mistake. It's just been more like death by a thousand cuts, just yep. these little micro mistakes over mm-hmm. and over and over. And they just end up accumulating to where now next season, if you look at the ducks blue line depth, assuming that everybody's healthy, which at this point is not a safe assumption whatsoever, 
Yeah. You have you have Lindholm with Shattenkirk. Uh, you bring that back. Manson Fowler as your second pairing. And then third pairing, I mean, I'm assuming you're putting Jamie Drysdale there. I, th- I think he's going to be in the NHL next season. Yeah. And then who do you have next to him? Jacob Larson? Do you trust that pairing? You are, you, are, you gonna, are you going to have to do Larson Fowler again and then do Manson Drysdale? I mean, this is the, the nice thing about Flurry was he kind of stabilized the, the, the defense core. And now you, you're kind of back to square one. Maybe Josh Mahura comes up and finally yeah. spells Larson. But it, 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 this kind of creates more issues, I would say. Maybe Cody Curran finally gets a shot. Yeah. And, and maybe this is their thought process was that we would rather have to worry about this one spot. We do have guys that can that can fill it as opposed to, I don't know. I mean, that's the thing. You lose Sam Steele, okay, you're down to center. but You have Lundestrom, you have Henrique, you have, we'll get to Getzloff, but you probably have Getzloff, you have Zegers, you have yep. Grant. You have like, like e- even though the narrative is sure in the system, there may not be a whole lot of center depth, but the roster has a lot of centers on it. Yeah. And, and so I, I that's why I don't necessarily buy that narrative in that sense. I think it's more so they decided they like Sam Steele and Max Jones more than Flurry. I, I think that that's a big part of it. I mean, it's possible Josh Mahura comes onto the roster and ends up making everyone forget about jo- or about losing Hayden Flurry. But I, I but I is, think I that I don't trust that happening though. Because- I don't need no no, I don't either. It's it's not as if I think I honestly think it's as likely that Mahura comes on or comes up and actually plays on the roster as it is that the Ducks lose him uh lose him on waivers because he is actually for everyone out there josh maher is now waiver eligible so in order for him to go to the ahl he has to clear waivers well i i'm just even saying from the perspective of when he does play well it never seems to lead to more responsibility more ice oh yeah yeah. dallas akins just doesn't seem to trust him so i guess anyway my my big takeaway from the expansion draft is just typical ducks kind of weird doesn't make a ton of sense you really have to stretch and and reach to under to understand it and maybe there is a case for what they did but i just think that i guess the alternative i mean to me the thing that i'm surprised they didn't do is expose cam fowler i don't understand why they didn't do that because that would have solved some of the issues here you yeah. you, you can then protect hayden flurry who you did give up assets for and then worst case scenario and then you still can protect all your forwards and worst case scenario if you lose fowler well then you're 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 out of that contract. I mean, I mean, it's the same exact reason why the uh, the Canadians exposed uh, Carey Price. It's the same exact reason why the Nashville Predators exposed Matt Duchesne and Ryan Johansson. Like, it, here's the it, thing: it, this if, isn't if a thing Fowler, that other teams haven't done. If Fowler gets exposed and Flurry is protected, who do you think Seattle takes? Because now they don't have their guy anymore in Hayden Flurry. And, and judging from who they pick from other teams, I actually have a hard time. They did not want. They did not want. They did not want long-term uh, contracts. Yeah, with, I don't with think high they, salary. I don't think they would have taken Fowler. No, and, I think they would have taken Shattenkirk. And, and this is the other kind of poor Henry thing, and not Henrik. I think Shattenkirk. No. I think they would have taken Grant or something. I mean, they bought. They, botched, yeah. they yeah. botched the expansion draft, and they continue yeah. to botch. Anyway, but one thing I do want to say is that the Ducks have. They want to make the playoffs next season. They want to push back to the playoffs, and I I don't think there's any appetite for another season like they just had and losing Hayden Fleury doesn't help that it actually hurts that goal and that and that's the confusing thing to me about it is that sure maybe you're protecting Nick Delorier because you think you can go get a draft pick for him but if your goal is to make the playoffs next season what's a draft pick for you next year you know yeah it's and so 
that's why this I just have a hard time fully well, digesting what happened. And from that draft. from that perspective, I just want to briefly bring this up. And I mentioned this to you, to you before the show. It was something that was brought up on a podcast about a different team. I mean, like that. But it really kind of hit home for me as I was listening to it. And it was brought up about the Flyers making all their moves. And now, granted, the Flyers are all over the place with the moves that they've made. Yeah, I, I don't uh, And so I, I don't agree with this in terms of them. But mm-hmm. when looking at the Ducks, the, the concept was essentially you can only look at your team and run it back with the same exact roster for so many years and expect different results. And the Ducks are essentially doing that. And sure, you can maybe expect growth out of some guys. Yes, Zegris is going to come in. Yes, Drysdale is going to come in. They're going to grow. They're going to have uh, get better. But in that same vein, you have guys aging out of their prime. Henrique's probably not going to continue to shoot 14, 15, 16% as he starts to age into his 30s. Silverberg, as we're seeing, is falling off a cliff. Uh, you're going to see Manson start continuing to fall. Fowler's going to start falling off a cliff. Like This is what happens when yeah. guys age out. And so, yes, these guys are going to come in and take bigger roles. But in that same breath, you have guys starting to fall off and age out of their prime and you need to get assets for those guys before they fully fully age out and don't have any trade value i still don't understand why they protected silverberg and not volkov oh it it is a well first off volkov's whatever all all the narrative about him being taken was funny to me because it's not as if he actually yeah but who has who has more value though no agreed 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 i think it was a fully it was his guy this is a guy that Bob Maria said is part because of the they, solution, they not the problem. It, it's a not one and you hurt your players' feelings type of they, thing. They exposed Henrique. Yeah, and, Bob and Murray also put him on waivers. He doesn't this, give a he doesn't give I, a crap about Henrique. I know. I'm just saying that this list doesn't really seem to be fully based on pure, just cold hard evaluation logic. It seems to be a lot of kind of feeling favors being yeah. made and yep. emotion, yep. and I just don't know if. That's doing that, doing right by your guys. I don't know if that let like. I mean, why look. Did, why, think, why did you need to protect Fowler? I mean, think about the when uh, Jacob Silverberg was signed to his deal. Bob Murray said that we didn't want to lose him. He's part of the solution, not the problem. He's a guy that we want to keep. He's going to be part of this. He's committed to this. I mean, that he basically probably sees this as a way to repay him for doing that and signing the contract and maybe taking less than market value. I don't know. It's just, it's just, you know, that, that, that what, what, if, yeah. And, and that's poor management. That's poor management to, to do that. Why the ducks are where they are. Well, I feel like this was a nice little microcosm of that. Yeah. Okay. So let's move on. That was, uh, as not the best. Hey, I didn't want to talk ever. about this. You were the hey. one that was pushing for well, this. It was important to talk about because we hadn't talked about the fact that flurry was the one that was taken. <laughs> okay. Well, I have good news for ducks fans that the NHL draft, the draft draft was a lot better. It was just, comp- I thought it was a, almost a home run for the Ducks, honestly. To me, just based on the first three picks, this is an A for me <clears throat> if we're doing a draft grade. The other guys I really honestly don't care too much about, but the the quality of player that they got with their first, second, and third round pick makes this an easy A plus, almost an A plus for me. Yeah, let's, let's just start with the main pick, the third overall yep. pick. There was so much speculation about who they would pick. Even on draft day, there started being rumblings that they were going to go Eklund. And then once the pick was in, we were doing our live stream. Big shout out to everybody, by the way, who joined in on Twitch. That was a lot of fun. Um, The pick was in and it was Mason McTavish. And I got to say, the reaction that I saw on Twitter of people groaning about, oh, this is Bob Murray making a character pick, about making a size pick, a, a grit pick. I actually think that people are not wrong in in what Bob Murray's thought process was here. If you listen Agreed. to the way Agreed. 
if you listen to the way he speaks about Mason McTavish, the things that he, I mean, he even said something that was just, we need to get more hard in our game. We need to get the hard back. And it's just like, what are you talking about here? Why do you have to say it that way? But all that being said, though, Mason McTavish is a fantastic prospect. I think that he is a very nice piece for the Ducks to add to their prospect pool. A great two-way center. He's right up there with Beneers in terms of the best two-way centers in the class. Yep. Yep. Great, great mobility. Great shooter. Awesome motor shooter and an underrated playmaker as well. He's got the dual threat element to his game. So I think that although Bob Murray probably pushed for this pick in terms of the identity of needing a guy like that in their system, because he even said it in his comments, you know, he's not like Trevor. And he said that kind of, yeah, you know, you know what I mean? He's, he actually goes into the corners, but with McTavish, I think what I like about the element he brings is that he just gives you another center who can, carry his own line we we know that i mean we saw at the end of the of this of last season that trevor zegras can do that and i think mason mctavish will be able to do that and probably won't take him that long he has an nhl ready body already and so i i think that there's a ton of reason to be very excited about this pick despite the fact that maybe bob murray had his way with this pick i think that the, martin madden seemed excited about it as well it, it's just a good pick jake yeah, it 100% is. And now, and up on the screen, actually, once we started talking about it, uh, is his prospect card per uh, JFresh using NHLE model by Top Down Hockey. Um, and as you can see on the screen, he currently has a 21% chance of uh, becoming a star, 70% chance of making an NHLE. But as Byron Bader pointed out, because his model actually, I don't even think is that high on him either. Um, in terms of star talent or NHLer, but doesn't big... doesn't factor in the second division in Switzerland, which exactly. is where which is where McTavish was playing this season. Exactly uh, due to COVID, yeah, exactly. And so I think that's the big thing here. Um, I I agree completely. It wasn't necessarily the pick I wanted because I wanted Eklund, but I think that a lot of the narrative of people saying, "Well, this is an awful pick," it blah 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 blah. I think that if I if they weren't gonna take Eklund there, this is the next best player that they could have taken. Because Gunther, I have my reservations about him because of watching him play a bit. I have some concerns about his game translating to the NHL in some sense. I think he's going to be a really good NHLer, but I I don't know if he was worthy of a third overall pick. And I have some concerns about sample size with that. Yeah, I think think Gunther is an easier sell, but when you dig into it, it's not quite as sure of a thing. Yeah, exactly. And so Mason McTavish... Um, I, I think the fact that he's a center is, is what I like there. And I think that the ducks getting a center in this draft is actually a big deal. He's probably the second best center in this draft. Honestly, probably maybe better offensively. He's probably not as good offensively. He's still a two way guy, but he's not, uh, or not as good defensively as Matty Beneers, probably not as strong in the transition game, but he's a better shooter. I mean, that's one of the things that really kind of got a lot of people talking about him was his ability to score goals. And I mean, he put up in the, for his draft minus one season, put up 29 goals in 57 games for the Peterborough Peets. Um, over in the Swiss second division team, he put up nine goals in 13 games in the regular season, uh, two goals in four playoff games, had 11 points in 13 games, seven points in four playoff games. And the U18s, like you said, he was really good. And I mean, Sure, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. I think Bob Murray's maybe logic for doing this was that he probably saw a big big forward who goes in the dirty areas, really bought into the seven-game sample size that he saw at the U18s, which, I mean, we, we there's a lot of hand-wringing of not getting too excited about prospects at the World Juniors, and I think the U18s is probably even more so that level, so I don't love the fact that the Ducks 
would have made this pick strictly based off the U18s. Um, granted, there's not a whole lot of games played for a lot of these guys this year. But having said that, I think this is still a really good pick. And so even though the Ducks may have made this pick for the wrong reasons, I think that this is a very good pick and maybe the second best player they could have taken. And depending on your view of whether Eklund, I mean, here's the difference between Eklund and McTavish. Eklund has a higher ceiling, but also has a lower floor because of the transition over to North American ice. The fact that he's a smaller guy, whether that game is going to transition on the smaller ice surface as a result. Eklund probably has the highest skill ceiling out of anyone in this draft, potentially. And so, whereas Mason McTavish is a much more floor play, which isn't necessarily a bad play, especially he's probably going to become a second-line center. And that is what the Ducks need. They need a guy to play behind Trevor Zegers. And we've talked about a bunch here about being able to essentially set up your team and set up your roster to kind of come at the team teams in waves and get different looks from each line. And that's what the Ducks can do now. They they can run out a line of Trevor Zegers and have guys out there that are really highly skilled and really can beat you with uh, deception and that type of stuff. Whereas Mason McTavish is a guy that's kind of going to more come at you. And they kind of play very different games, which is what you want. And so this narrative about the Ducks need to establish their identity, I honestly don't care about that. I actually prefer the Trevor Zegers way of playing. But I think that what is beneficial is having lines and having centers that play different styles of game to make your team hard to play against because you come in different waves and different styles. We got to get more hard in our game, Jake. We should tell oh, that to God. our beer league team. See, we see how long it takes for someone to make a joke about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but... I will say, though, that with this setup now, just with McTavish alone, you can you can start to see now the 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 framework for the next five to ten years of Ducks hockey. You have Zegras as your yeah. first line center. You have Mason McTavish as your second line center. And maybe if he breaks right, they can be more of a 1A, 1B. And then you have Jamie Drysdale as your as your mainstay on the back end. And then you have these other pieces around them. And this becomes perfect now for the Troy Terrys and the Max Contois and Max mm-hmm. Jones. They can be those support guys for these strong link players. And so I think it's exciting. Again, just yeah. just off of the McTavish pick, I think it's very exciting. Thankfully, though, for Ducks fans, it gets more exciting as this draft goes on. Yeah, I think that this was a very solid pick by the Ducks. I mm-hmm. think that their next two picks... Are are like two of the steals of the draft in terms of in terms of value? Yes. So the yeah. next pick for the Ducks, Olin Zellweger, their second pick in the in the second round, and to get him. And if you look just at Hockey Prospecting's drafter tool, where he ranks as a defenseman, he's way up there. He's in the top fifteen in star probability at twenty two percent. The comparisons for him are glowing. I've heard people compare him to Sam Gerrard. Great mobility, awesome skater. Martin really Madden compared him to uh, Jared Spurgeon. Also, Jared that's Spurgeon, another, yeah, yeah, that's another one. And so those are all good names. Those That's the kind of modern NHL defenseman that you want that can be essentially your fourth forward, but that has the mobility to also cover back. And it's a very exciting pick because this is a guy who probably shouldn't have been available at that, at that slot for the Ducks. And, the, and they managed to get him. And now they add another prize possession to their blue line. And I yeah. think... Man, if, if he can develop and if he can hit and you add him in there with Jamie Drysdale, it's going to be a very fun blue line to watch. Yeah, left-hand shot defenseman. He ha- And 
I, I watched some clips of his games. He plays both sides. Like, he played for Everett on the right side a lot, and I assume as a left-hand shot defenseman, he also has played the left side a fair mm-hmm. amount. So he can play both sides. Up on the screen, by the way, right now is his player card or prospect card. It is a different model in hockey prospecting, which is why the numbers varied from what Felix said. But either way, both models really project him out well. And one of the things uh, I noticed uh, with him that I found very, very exciting is – um, granted small sample size, really important to establish that when we talk about any player that has played in the WHL or, uh, in that kind of area this past year, um, whether it's the QMJHL, OHL, every, anything like that, the sample size on them is going to be really small with him playing only, uh, let me see here, 11 games for the, in the O or in the WHL this past season, seven games at the world, uh, world under 18s. Um, but if you were to just simply go by points per game, he put up 13 points in 11 games. And that is best uh, from a draft eligible defenseman in the WHL in the last 20 years. And now granted with Gunther, I've said a bunch that the yeah. similar type of numbers <laughs> concerns there, the difference between well, the this two is, is 34th overall pick. Exactly. As yeah. compared to a third overall pick. And mm-hmm. so I think it's easy to kind of look at that. And the other thing is we've talked about a bunch. Age is very important when you're looking at the draft and it's something that's not talked about a lot from mainstream type of media personnel, but uh, Olin Zellweger is five days away from not being eligible for this draft for basically he would have been, he was born on September 10th, September 15th is a cutoff. Mm-hmm. So if he was born five or I think it's like five or, or yeah, five days later, he would have not been eligible for this draft and would have been eligible for the 2022 draft. And so this means that he put up these numbers while almost being a year younger. Like he's almost a year younger than a guy like Owen power. Yeah, and really has a lot of development left in his game and really can really uh, find a lot there. And so I'm really, really excited on this pick. This one got me really kind of up there. I honestly, you were the one that picked him when we did our mock draft. Mm-hmm. I hadn't done a whole lot of research into Zellweger. And then once I did, I was in love with this pick. He is, he's exactly what you want out of modern day defenseman. He's a guy that uses his speed to to really have a good gap control and defenseman. He's not that bad in his own zone. He's actually really good in his own zone as a result of that and can really turn up and push play. Maybe he's not the most dynamic playmaker in the world. So he's not going to be a guy that's going to be a top power play type of guy, but he can push the play and make a really good play and set up, uh, set up the forwards to be able to put the puck in the back of the net. And that's what you want. This They got him as a second round pick. And this is a guy that could be a potential top pairing D man in my mind. Yeah. And, and they didn't really, you know, it's not one of those second round picks where, ah, you know, there was someone else there that you were really hoping for. This is, well, this is that guy in my opinion, the Uh, player that I may, may have said, uh, is a player they should have taken with this pick is the player they got with their third round pick. And that's, and that's where this draft to me really becomes a home run for the Ducks yep. at 66 overall to get Sasha Pastyov, who has definite flaws in his game. There's a reason that he was still available in the third round at 66th overall. But in terms of just pure offensive tools, pure playmaking, pure skill level, just the entire package offensively, he's one of the most talented players in this draft. Yeah, And if you look at all of the projected models, I mean, he was he's ranks fourth in uh, Byron Bader's hockey prospecting model with forty percent star probability in, in the entire draft class, and so yeah, there are going to be some things to iron out in his game: the, the yeah. skating, the motor, the compete level, all of that. But just there, there, everything I read, it seems like there's confidence that those are things that can improve. 
And even if he doesn't fully fix those things, even if he doesn't, you know, become this this awesome skater or, or have the kind of Brendan Gallagher like uh, compete level, I think if he just becomes adequate to maybe slightly below average in those areas, he's still going to be an NHLer. I think he's still going to be a guy who can contribute and who can help you on the power play in the middle six. You still need guys like that. And if everything breaks right, which it it does, it usually doesn't. But let's say it does, then you're talking about a first line talent. Yeah. So and 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 so in the third round, that's exactly the kind of guy you should be selecting. Yeah. You know, you should not be. So I mean, and this is something that the Ducks have been a little guilty of in the past. To be fair, every team is a bit guilty of this of not taking the big swing, and and that's what they did. And and to me, this this reminds me a lot of the 2020 draft where they they managed to get Jacob Perot late in the first round. And, yeah. and that that's exactly I thought the kind of pick that they should have made. The fact that he fell to them, he was the no brainer pick. And I feel like Pastiav is this year's Perot for Anaheim. Just a, a guy that you almost get for free, it feels like. Yeah. And so here's a quote actually from Scott Wheeler. Um, this was basically his blurb on Pastiav pre-draft. And I think it really kind of drives home a, a lot of the points about Pastiav because I think a lot of people that really are lower on him are lower on him because of his skating, maybe his, his brain, maybe his IQ or basically how hard he works. But here's kind of a, this is, Wheeler's assessment, which I think is really spot on with kind of how I view him from looking at models, looking at some tape on him and things like that. But here it is. I think Pasyov's a little misunderstood. Some scouts see mediocre acceleration and top speed and worry about his ceiling. I see an inventive playmaker who can do a lot with the puck and produce at an extremely high rate as the program's most dangerous offensive player when Chaz Lucius was out. He's got excellent touch, regularly pulling pucks through feet and sticks and into space, but he also mixes in fakes and stutter steps to create transition separation or go inside out on defenders. You seldom see players who did what Pasyov did this past year run into any trouble becoming top college players. He can run a power play. He's dangerous around the net because of his ability in tight spaces and he's a superb passer through bodies who can slow down the play and dictate with his poise or speed it up with his ability to quick react to openings and coverage and so that kind of quote really i think says it all that yes there may be issues with skate his skating or his playoff puck but when the puck's on his stick he can make things happen and really has an ability to score and also find his own teammates and at a certain point you look at his scoring for the national development team and maybe you overlook some things because at the end of the day, all he did was score. Mm-hmm. And, and, and last I checked, scoring goals isn't important in hockey. Well, it's the Cole Caulfield thing, right? Where you yeah. almost you, you become so good at producing that you almost don't really seem to get credit for it. People tend to fixate on yeah. your deficiencies. Now, I think Cole Caulfield was definitely a better prospect than Pastyov, but this, the skill levels aren't that far apart. One one thing I want to mention with, uh, with Pastyov is is he put up 65 points in 41 games for the national development team program. That's a lot. That that's fifth best in points per game total in the last by draft eligible player in the past 20 years. That's mm-hmm. better than Zegris. Mm-hmm. I think I think Caulfield was better than that. I think Jack Hughes was better than that. Like it's a very small list of players that are draft eligible and put up more points than Pasyov did on a points per game level. Like yeah. this is not something to scoff at the number of points. Zegris by the way, 11th best point per game total. It, from a draft eligible player. Now, granted, that team was stacked, so the opportunities weren't probably always there for Zegris to score. But whereas past you have probably got top power play minutes, things like that. Mm-hmm. But still, sixty five points in forty one games for a very well known, established development program. And yeah. so he's going to be going to uh, Notre Dame next year, and I'm going to really be keeping an eye on how he scores because if he does really well in college, he may be done after next year. Yeah, yeah. It's like an, he, it's, it's like he could be on the Ducks in two years. 
Yeah, I mean, we'll see that, and and so that's the thing. Just with these with these first three picks, I really think that the Ducks did themselves a huge favor. Yeah, and and, and that's the, this weird dichotomy with this franchise is that on one hand, I don't have a ton of faith in how they're being run currently at the NHL level. I mean, we we don't we haven't really seen the um, the Jeff Solomon influence yet. It still feels like Bob Murray has the full grip on that steering wheel, but the groundwork is being laid for a very competitive roster in the next, you know, three to five years. Mm -hmm. And whenever they get someone in there in the front office, who is, let's just call it not Bob Murray. Who's, who's a better GM than Bob Murray. They have the, they have the foundation to be one of the better teams in the league. And and, and it's it's just a matter of getting there, of of maximizing. I mean, what you have and, and they can get there. We have long raves about the King system and prospect system. Mm-hmm. And I think the Kings have done a better job to accumulate draft at capital and draft talent and, mm-hmm. and prospect talent from other teams with trades. But I think the Ducks now maybe a year later, because they haven't done that, the Ducks have done a good job of basically keeping up with them. And I think the Ducks have a system now. It may not have the high-end talent of a Byfield, because Byfield, I think, could is probably better than Zegers in the long run. But I think the Ducks have a system that can compete with the, the King system and really could uh could be really fun for this rivalry for a long time to come. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun and who knows? I mean, who knows when this will when we'll start seeing this. It could happen as early as next year. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, it's most likely that both Zegers and Dryzo will be on the Ducks next year. Byfield probably will be on the Kings next year, you would mm-hmm. expect. Um Yeah, and I'm, I'm curious now with Jacob Perot what's going to happen because of uh, the He's the, pro- I would assume that he goes to the, back to the AHL. Yeah, exactly with with the rules being I guess updated or, or maintained uh, for modified year. for one year. Yeah. And so with Perot now, maybe he gets a shot at some point and yeah, I mean, it's not, it shouldn't take him that long. Do you there. think, do you think that McTavish even gets a look because that was one thing and you heard the quote and I think it's worth bringing up mm-hmm. because you will shoot it down. And I think so that everyone knows that Bob Murray had the quote of saying that he'll come into camp and get a shot to compete and we'll see where he's at. Well, yeah, so, I mean, what Murray was just saying is that, yeah, this guy's mindset is going to be to come in and make the team. Yep. And but we want th- him to come in and compete, basically. Yep, but I think you and I both agree that most likely he goes back to uh, Peterborough next year. I would not be surprised if he gets some games with the Ducks. Really? No, I would not be surprised at all because I, I really think that – Murray loves this kid already, and I think Dallas Akins is going to love this kid because it's it's it checks every box, right? The hard worker. It's a lot of what the Ducks haven't had the last couple of years. The the Ducks have not been a team that battles. They they have not been a team to really control play to to forecheck well. And I think if he can if he can bring it, if it translates, they're going to give him some games. I don't see why not. I mean, there's Who, not, there, there's what no center does he play after oh, play over? I mean. Henrique. <laughs> I mean, even if he plays over Henrique, there's still another center that he has to play over. Same yeah, but, steal. I mean, they'll, they'll, I really think that they'll Getzloff? Give, I, I really think they'll give him every opportunity. Here's the centers. You've got Zegers, you've got Steele, you've got Lundestrom, you've got, if they sign Getzloff, granted. Mm-hmm. Getzloff, you've got Henrique, you've got Grant. Like, yeah, that, they've that's, got a lot of centers. That's where the confusion about going back to the expansion draft of being mm-hmm. like, well, the Ducks don't have depth in the uh, forwards. It's like, well, Look at your roster. You, you kind of do. But I yeah. think if he comes in and plays very well in camp, 
we've seen Dallas Aikens, uh, you know, push for guys when they play well in scrimmages. Look at Isaac Lindstrom starting yeah. in the second line last year. Yeah, I think it's totally within the realm of possibility. Yeah, of course, you know, making it work is going to be a challenge, but they'll make it work for him if he comes in and impresses. So, yep. So I think before we move on to the next couple of picks and quickly run through the rest of the draft, uh, let's get a little bit of a word from our sponsor. So. Yep. Kick your summer off in style with the brand that's reinventing men's basics, Mack Weldon. Mack Weldon is so much more than just underwear. Their full collection includes t-shirts, polos, button-ups, shorts, pants, swims, and so much more. With light breathable, light and breathable fabric uh, technology, Mack Weldon keeps you cool and comfortable all summer from work to working out, happy hour to playing with your kids. Mack Weldon has, summer, has men's essentials for whatever your days include. So Felix, Mack Weldon's been a longtime sponsor of this show now, and they just keep coming out with more and more great products. I mean, they for your usual summer activities, I mean, you go swimming in the ocean a bunch, right? I do, correct. And I mean, Mack Weldon has you covered. They've got swimwear for you, Felix. And they, yeah. also, they also have a polo if you want to just have a nice day out. I mean, what, what are your favorite things? So I've got a bunch. I mean, I've, I've, we've, they've been such a great sponsor and they've been partnered with us for so long now that my, my uh, closet starting to be fully stocked with, with Mack Weldon gear. Um, I've actually gone into the, the Maverick tech shorts and I love those because they're so versatile. I mean, that's kind of the thing with Mack Weldon in general. For me, it's great. I can wear, I can wear these shorts to work out. I can wear them to be active, go on the beach, you know, do whatever. But then also I can, I can look presentable if I'm going out for dinner. Maybe it's just an outdoor dinner, summer nights, whatever the case may be. And so that's that's truly the thing that I love about this brand the most. And that's why I can't recommend them more highly. Yeah. And so, I mean, you and I have raved, I think, a lot about their Ace Sweatpant. I mean, yeah, it's that, not really the time of year. It, it's that, it's definitely not the time of it year. Did but rain last night here it in, did. in Southern California. It did. So, but, yeah, they're, I mean, their Tech Chino short, their Radius short. I mean, I think I, yeah. I have their Radius short. It's great. It fits well. I like a little bit of a shorter short, and this fits that perfectly. And I mean, like I said, if you're if you're a, uh, an ocean guy, if you like to go to the pool, they've got swim trunks. They also have board shorts. So whatever you want to do, they have you. They have you covered. And so Mac Weldon also has a free loyalty program called Weldon Blue. Level one gets you free shipping for life. Once you reach level two by spending two hundred dollars, you get twenty percent off every order for the next year. So stay cool this summer and look great doing it with all the new collection of men's essentials from Mack Weldon. So for 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com slash CTP and enter the co- promo code CTP. That's like crash the pond. That's MacWeldon.com slash CTP promo code CTP for 20% off. Mack Weldon reinventing men's basics. Yes. Thank you, Mack Weldon. Yes. Seriously. Love them. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we talked about both drafts. Uh, any loose ends you want to? Uh, uh, we should briefly to. mention the other picks for the Ducks, which you and I both are kind of. I I don't have. I honestly don't have much to say. I uh, mean, here's the basics of it: they draft, they traded next year's third round pick for a third to Montreal for a third round pick this year, and took Tyson Hines. He's a a big defenseman in the QMJHL. Uh, got traded mid season. Uh, I believe he was on, let me just double check. He was on, uh, Shawinigan and then got moved to Ramuski. Ramuski was more of a rebuilding team. So he got more minutes in those more minutes. He played okay. Put up a little bit more points than he was. Um, I mean, he's at at 50%, roughly 50% NHL or probability. Yeah. He's okay. 
Uh, he's a guy that probably is going to be a bottom pairing guy. The concerns with him are his breakout passes. He can kind of uh, treat the puck like it is a grenade at times, which we've seen with Jack Larson. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, granted, third round pick, but seemed like an odd guy to jump up for. To jump and, up for, especially. A, yeah. a guy that a lot of people didn't have until the hundreds. Um, and so it just seems like they Although, probably could have had him in the fourth round or fifth Ducks, round. We have questioned them on, on de- defense picks in the past, and those guys have ended up, you know, True. developing. I mean, Jackson Lacombe's turned out to be a solid prospect. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I think that Hines is definitely more of a reach than those guys were. He's a, but, he's a project. But I think that they have bought themselves some benefit of the doubt when it comes yeah. to D-men in the draft. And then they in the fourth round, they uh, uh, selected Joshua Lapina, who's at UMass, was a freshman this past year, but is a bit of an older guy. Had gone through the draft, I believe, twice already. Um, so he's 20 years old. He's actually older than Trevor Zegras, for reference. Mm-hmm. Um, but he actually finally found some offensive touch after uh, being in the USHL and not really being an offensive dynamo um, and found his offensive touch in the NCAA game. Um, if he can put up, keep the scoring that he has... Uh, it could translate to being about a fourth liner, third liner in the NHL, probably more so like an AHL type of guy. But he's probably a guy that you'll probably see in the AHL sooner rather than later, the fact that he's already 20 years old and is going to be turning 21 this upcoming year. So he's probably only one more year in college, and they'll probably jump into the AHL would be my bet. Then the Ducks took Sean should. I actually do not know. I've read this name a bunch. I have not thought about how to pronounce it, though. Chigoro? Yeah, let's go with that. I'm, I'm, I'm there with you. Um, he's, uh, played for the Calgary Hitmen. I mean, he's kind of more of a two-way guy. Um, I don't honestly have a great opinion on him, to be honest. No. Uh, Ga- Gage Alexander, they took in the, uh, uh, fifth round also with their second fifth round pick. Basically the, the rub on him is that he's six, seven, he's a yep. six, seven goalie. He's a tall goalie. So, I mean, it, it's a fine six, fifth round pick. Take a reach on a guy that's a massive goalie and see where he goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they took Kyle Kukinen in the sixth round. Some people are actually kind of high on him. Yeah, he has. He actually has a decently high NHLer probability and even star probability for for a high schooler. Um, forty five percent NHLer probability and twelve huh. percent star probability. And that is, is very different from uh, top down hockey's model. Well, I guess who are you going to trust here? But yeah. I mean, for a sixth round pick, yeah, even sixth if round one pick. model likes him. That's still pretty good. True. True. Yeah. So yeah, we'll we'll see where that goes. I mean. I don't really have a strong opinion on any of these guys to me, to me, this draft, these guys are all kind of there. This draft was made by the first three picks. Yeah. And that's fine. They don't all have to be complete winners. Right. And I think Mm -hmm. that I've read enough on the later picks for the ducks to where people seem to like them. Uh, The, the one head scratcher is the Tyson Hines pick, but Hey, the ducks have bought themselves a lot of benefit of the doubt in the draft for me, at least. If just it, with with the way they've been selecting in in the earlier rounds and even mid rounds in the last last couple of years, I would say. Um, if Martin Madden had to give in and take one big defenseman to make Bob Murray happy, so he could take a five nine defenseman in the second round, yeah, I'll take it. I really just think that their first three picks are just th- that's how you do it. Yeah, <laughs> like that is no that is how you it. build. Like those guys could all and and I put this out on Twitter. And those guys, per some models, could all be top 10 talent at the end of the day from this draft. Yeah. Like, they could. we could look back five, six years. Those guys are all top 10 players from this draft if you redrafted it. Exactly. And so that's why I, again, I'm a big fan of what they did. I know that people were a little disappointed that in the McTavish pick, but I... I'm, I'm good I, with it. 
the thing that I understand about that is like, well, who did you want them to take yeah. so bad? You know, I mean, okay, I understand Eklund, um, but who else was there really? Gunther? I mean, sure, but Gunther has his own Brant, issues. Brant Clark, but Brant he Clark, has his they issues. Were, they were never going to take Brant Clark. They were going to take a forward. I, the more prep I did on this draft class, admittedly, wasn't a ton. I'm not trying to equate myself to some kind of scout here. But I definitely Mason McTavish grew on me the more I, I ran into it because he checks a lot of boxes that the Ducks need. They need to fill out that center depth. They need another impact forward who can actually carry a line. He yeah. just he does all of those things. Of course, the ceiling isn't the highest for a third third overall pick, but it's a weird draft. I mean, that's and, his draft though. Like, and I think is his is his ceiling that much different? I mean, we we long have talked about Matt Beniers and how strong his game is is in a transition, but it's not as if he scored the lights out. Like, he made his well, name yeah. by having a being a the, solid two way guy. Don't love Beniers. Yeah, like and, I don't and, think McTavish is that different than Beniers. And I I actually think that that um, McTavish's ceiling may be almost underrated at this point, just because Maybe. of wh- where he played. Yeah. And I think next season he may he may explode, and then people are going to be talking differently. No doubt, next season for all of these guys is a big year. It's huge. Be, like yeah. this is a massive year for development. After not being able to play a lot, they're going to be playing a lot of games, and it's going to be really impactful to see how they do. Yep, it's going to be fun. Yeah, it definitely is. So, any any other closing thoughts on the draft? Nope, nope. Uh, I we we covered it round and round. I don't. Yeah, I've got nothing left for you. I don't have any yep. Joshua. Uh, Lopina takes. Yeah, uh, sorry. Uh, yeah, I, I've kind of got it all. You want to jump into uh, to some discussion though about the fact that the Ducks made no trades? So I think that that's probably where we can truly close out this topic. Is that you saw on Friday draft day that there was this this rush of trades, uh, massive prices being paid, nothing really making sense because some defensemen getting first round picks, others not, and and the talent not really lining up. And the Ducks stood pat. And when asked about the possibility of making trades on draft day, Bob Murray only referred to potentially moving back. And Martin Madden also talked about this. And I guess the value just wasn't there for them to move back. But we didn't get anything else. No NHL-level trades. And at the trade deadline, when you and I were very critical about the fact that the Ducks did absolutely nothing uh, of consequence... I mean, they they basically paid to give Seattle someone. Uh, yeah. A lot of people came out and said, well, you just wait. Just wait for the draft. You don't understand. There's a master plan here. And then I mean, Bob, here- Murray, Bob, Bob Murray even said that there was going to be this crazy rush. And he said then, to credit to him, he called it, there was going to be this madness yeah. between the expansion draft and the draft. And it did happen. Now, though, we're still we're still at square one. Nothing has like, happened. The, the, I, the, the Ducks have not made any moves. Bob Murray did say, though, to, to just to paint the full picture, that yeah, the next week or so, that's where the trades may happen. Because he was asked, "Do you do you see your do you see your team? You know, do you see yourself improving the team through free agency?" And he said, "No, pretty much." But the trades are are going to be the likely route, especially in the next week. So. Look, we, the the chapter isn't fully closed yet. No, it's not. But, but we're running out of racetrack. I mean, we have a podcast next week where we can easily circle back to this and say we were wrong on. Yeah, uh, so that's for, why for I'm criticizing. Not, I'm not but, ready. I'm not ready to fully just dance on the grave. I think that yeah. there's still time for them to make a move. But you're you're running out of time here. Well, let me briefly say this. I do want to mention 
it's possible that it looks like you and I were wrong about the prices and, and the prices and value going down with the fact that you look at some of the deals that were made and the prices were high. I mean, Ra- I mean, Rasmus Ristolainen is a great comparable for Josh Manson. He got uh, defenseman Robert Hag, who's kind of just a throw-in for salary, a first-round pick and a second-round pick. If Ristolainen gets that, the, then Manson should at least get you a first-round pick. Yeah, and like, Brendan Dillon tonight. That, got to, two to seconds. Well, here's the thing on Ristolainen as compared to Dylan is Ristolainen and Manson are both right-hand shot defensemen. Both of them have one year left on their deal. Both of them both uh, both of them are known as being kind of more a physical type of defenseman. Um, Ristolainen is not good. That's also no. something to consider here, but has a reputation of being good. I that kind of also goes Manson. that kind of goes along with Manson. Um, and so if he gets that, Manson should easily get a first round pick. And mm-hmm. I think with that, he has to be moved. And I mean, you look at some other trades. I mean, the OEL deal was massive. Seth Jones, if you're looking for a comparable for like a Hampus Lindholm deal, Seth Jones got, uh, or they by flipped. Nine. Eight by nine and a half. Well, yeah, that's one. We'll get to that in a sec. But he got Adam Boquist, a first round pick and a second round selection. And then the Blue Jackets also gave up their first, the 32nd over or the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, pick. And Adam Boquist. Is potentially better than Seth Jones is right yeah, now. Is and, yeah, yeah, and, and so like that kind of gives you the idea of what a Lindholm deal would be. A Lindholm deal would get you a first and a really good prospect, mm-hmm. and, and the Ducks really should be looking at doing that. And yeah, Seth Jones got what eight times nine and a half, right? Yep, yep, monster deal. Lindholm has to be looking for that same type of deal. You would think he may not have the same name name brand recognition as Seth, as Seth Jones, but you got to think he's going to be looking in the eight million dollar range. I mean, like, we've already said this. The uh, the Seth Jones things just kind of cements it. But yeah, yeah. So the Ducks, you know, they they came up empty in the in that game of musical chairs, and and who knows how much they were even in on any of these deals? If if how much they were truly shopping, Manson, Raquel. It, it, it seems like it was one of those similar situations where, of course, they had guys in the you know they had guys in the rumor mill, and their names were out there. But how aggressive were they? Were they truly yeah. being? We have no way of knowing. We don't. But the results so far don't really I indicate mean, that they were aggressive. I could be proven wrong this week, but to me, it almost feels like it's more likely that two of those three guys are given extensions than mm-hmm. it is that one of them is traded. Yeah. Well, they're just running out of dance partners. That's the big problem. I mean, yeah. Seattle, it seemed like you could have done a side deal to get Henrique over there. Although, to be fair to the Ducks, that I don't really understand what the Kraken are totally doing. The Kraken Seem- set their price and didn't want to actually move it down. It seems like the Kraken are really intent on just not spending money on their team. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, who knows? Maybe free agency starts and they, well, who are they going to go get though? Like that's, that's my question. Doug- who- Dougie Hamilton. Maybe, uh, but I don't know. They could have just taken Dylan DeMello anyway. So yeah, maybe that just wasn't there, but Again, like with the Brendan Dillon thing to Winnipeg, we've talked so many times about Manson to Winnipeg. Maybe he just doesn't want to go to Winnipeg. He does have that that yeah. no no trade list, but it's just I don't know. It's so far I'm I'm withholding judgment, but I will say it's it's not looking awesome. No, and especially with the prices being paid, like you should move them now. And it's like I it almost feels like what's going to happen is the Ducks are just going to lo- either extend them or lose them to UFA status. Yeah, and not actually even move them at the deadline because Bob Murray thinks that they're pivotal to this roster because I mean Bob Murray is the same guy who thought a defenseman's prime is twenty eight twenty nine. Yeah, and and also I mean I think the best case scenario 
the worst case scenario is that they re-sign all these guys to, to long-term deals to eight year to seven or eight. You're year better deals. off losing them for nothing. Yeah, I, I think it. I think Lindholm's the only one that you are better Maybe. off signing him to an extension than you are losing him for nothing. I think he's the only one that you could have that conversation about. Yep, giving Raquel a six or seven year deal, giving a Manson a six or seven year deal, not a great idea. Nope, nope. like it, it's just not. Um, and, well, and so, well, we and, can put a we can put a pin in that one because yep. I think this time next week we'll have a better idea. Yep. of just what what to expect. Do you want to talk about the free agents? Uh, sure. So there was a, a bit of a chatter today about Ryan Getzloff, and I've seen some people in the Twitch yep. chat even mentioning that. Of, I feel like okay. Can I just can I just say something here? Go for it. I I don't think it matters that much. So, you know, today there was reports that the Preds and the Bruins are really they're going they're going to go hard after Getzloff. It's like first off, that doesn't mean Getzloff is leaving. That just means teams are going to be interested. That that that's not that's not really that. Uh, th- that's not really that enlightening. Of course, teams are going to be calling. So I, I didn't really find that as groundbreaking as other people did. And also, I understand from a loyalty perspective, from a fan perspective, if Ryan Getzlaff goes and signs with another team, that is really, it's sad. You don't want to see your a fan yeah. favorite leave. You don't want to see an all-time great leave. But just looking at it, cold, hard reality, if you lose Getzlaff, well, like you were just saying, they have a bunch of centers, and maybe that that makes room for some younger guys, and it just allows the rebuild to continue. If he comes back on a reasonable contract, one year, two year, kind of in that that three to five million dollar range that we've talked about, then it's fine too. But I, I just don't think there's really the, there's not like a doomsday scenario here for the Ducks. No, but I I think from the perspective of on ice quality of pro, on ice quality product, they, I they think won't gets, be. I think if they intend to make the playoffs next season, then losing Getzlaff actually really hurts them. Yes. And I, don't, and I don't think, but I don't think that they view it that way. I don't think that. Oh, well, I don't know. They may think, view it that way. I think around Anaheim, there just seems to be this belief that Getzlaff is, is done, but he was one of their better forwards last yeah, year. There, he 100% was. This, that's what the stats show. And even from an eye test perspective, it's not he looks like good. He, he wasn't a bum out there. And so I, I really don't understand that narrative of just, oh yeah, let him walk, let him walk. If you want to make the playoffs next year, if the, if that's what the Ducks want to do, which I believe it's it is what they want to do, then you kind of have to bring him back. Yeah, you, but, you definitely but, do. But for me, just looking at it completely coldly, if he doesn't come back, that just helps your chances at the first overall pick next that's year. That's true. No, that so. that that from that perspective, sure. <laughs> I think from a fan relation perspective, I it's think gonna, it would it would well, be a nightmare. Can you Matt, do you think that they can survive buying out Perry and letting Getzlaff walk in free agency? Like that, those are two very sour endings to me. I mean, one being more sour than the other. They probably. did have the sour ending with Korea, so it's not necessarily that out of the it's, it's their ordinary. MO. Even you're though that was that was pre pre Samueli. Um, but yeah, I mean, here's my only thing with this with Getzloff, and, and this granted could be completely proven wrong with the fact that it's now come out that him and the Ducks are close on a new deal. And that's coming from Elliot Tiford at the OC register, talking to his agent of the ducks and uh, gets off mid talking. And to me, it's the most likely situation he's of him resigning. Yeah. I don't see him leaving. No, really the, don't. the only thing that really does bug me slightly here is if he does end up signing elsewhere, then oh. why didn't you move him at the deadline? And, and like, granted there is now a conversation that, that I'm now seeing online that it's not, it's not confirmed whether he waived it for Vegas or not. 
Tiford may have worded that poorly in that article. If he had waived it for Vegas, I think you have to move him for whatever you can get. If the end goal for Getzloff and the Ducks need to have this conversation with him was to not be on the Ducks next year, if he was even thinking about it. Because the, my whole thought process of you don't trade him unless it's a higher pick is the fan relation aspect of it with the franchise. And I know that that kind of goes against my normal MO. Uh, and I fully admit that. And I know that. But I, I think that if the end game of this was he was probably going to sign elsewhere to go chase a cup next season, then the Ducks should have moved him for whatever they could have gotten if he waived it to go to Vegas. I mean, this is the all-time... The, the tweet that I've gotten the most crap for ever in the time I've been on Twitter was me saying those ex- essentially what you just said, that the Ducks should just... Like, if you're going to decide to trade him, get whatever you can. Yeah. And remember, the narrative was Getzlaff didn't want to leave because he felt that what he could what the return could be was not enough. It, it didn't help the team enough. It didn't make sense. And it's like, well, first off, why is he making that call? Look at what, it, look at what the ducks got in the third round this year. Right. So, so the point is sure. Maybe a mid round pick is, is not that exciting for an all time legend, but if he is not coming back next year and you have an opportunity of trading him, then yeah, you have to walk away with something. I mean, it's really unfortunate it sucks for everybody. These are hard decisions to make. I understand that he may have been on the fence this whole time and not knowing for sure. I get all that. It's the only team he's ever known. But from a Ducks perspective, they're just missing. They're, they're, they're having so many at-bats to get value, to get assets for their players, and they keep whiffing. And and look, we already said it. A week from now, this could all change. But it, it just this if he walks, you, just, you can add that to the list of another missed opportunity. Yeah. Of course... We both think he's coming back. I don't think that any of this will actually yeah. end up, end up mattering. I, but I, I think it's it's at least worth saying just how how much how much it just never seems like there's a plan with this franchise. Yeah, just, like there's, there's no golden thread. No, I mean the the expansion draft basically shows that you trade for a guy and then you lose in the expansion draft, and mm-hmm. you trade for him and you talk glowingly about him. You like it's not as if Bob Murray said we got him and we'll see how he goes and whatever. I mean, granted, it could all be lip service and don't always believe what he says, nope. but still, it sounded as if from what Dallas Aiken said, it seemed like they really liked the kid, and from what they they said over the last couple of days, they really had to think hard about how they were going to do it which makes me i mean it's exactly what you said they don't have a plan they're they're just kind of going and and seeing how things go and that's not how you rebuild a team you have to like i've long said this that the tearing down of a roster is easy like trading away the josh mansons of the look look at what arizona's been doing well look at buffalo look at buffalo in general just if you want to talk about tearing down being easy like that's what buffalo's done and they're Grants are going to be doing again. Well, the, is, the, the hard thing is the building back up. And you well, have to have a strong plan in place long term for and execute it uh, in order to do that. And that's what Buffalo's missed in all of this. That's what Edmonton for a long time missed was they did the good job of tearing down. Well, yeah, yeah. well they're, they're true, still, true, true, true. Duncan fair, Keith. Duncan Keith. Fair, fair point. Connor McDavid is basically their plan. But I will say that for the Ducks, I mean, this is now you have to look beyond just uh, management because. Part of the limitation here is that you have a GM who's a sitting duck, who's in his last year of his deal, and same thing with the coaching staff. Like The incentives aren't properly aligned for, for long-term success. And that's why I think that if 
how can you really ask Bob Murray to form a long-term plan if he doesn't even know if he'll be back the year after? Well, the yes, agreed. The other issue there is he's had multiple years to put together a long-term I, plan and I, has I yet agree, to do but, it. But my point is that right now it's almost too late to form a long-term plan. Uh, True, because, that's because, fair. Because the incentives are all out of whack. That's, that's why. That's why I think it, well, it, it would have made... Unless there's something that Bob Murray knows he's going to get kicked up to be a president of hockey ops after this. I mean, I think that I think that they hired his replacement this summer. I think that Dallas Aikens' replacement is somewhere in the organization. Mm-hmm. So this could all again be completely moot by by the end of the season. But that's part of the reason why these things don't totally make sense because you have a guy who's being asked to have a long term vision, but also being asked to have the team be competitive. And no, I'm not trying to give Bob Murray excuses, but there's plenty of blame to go around at every level in this organization. Yeah, 100%. So the only guy who's blameless is Martin Madden. (laughs) I mean, he he nailed this draft again. Just he just keeps winning, keeps racking up W's. That second and third round pick, those are Martin Madden picks, right? Five nine defensemen. Yeah. Uh, scoring forward that projects good by models and, and things like that. Even Martin Madden said that, even though there are some concerns. Those mm-hmm. feel like Martin Madden picks. Yeah. 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 They are. I, I mean, do we want to circle back to SJ Hawking brings something to Twitch chat that he told Shattenkirk that they were making a playoff Murray run. Murray did. Yeah. Yeah. That that Bob Murray told Shattenkirk that to, to yeah. sell him on Anaheim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, uh, yeah. So no I, anything else you want to add before we get into some questions? Uh, well, I mean, we should note that they didn't qualify Heinen today. Oh, yeah. Good so call. Good call. That's, uh, I mean, that's not really surprising. There was no way that they were going to qualify him at basically what he was making last year, 2.775. Um, everyone else, though, did. And I I would be pretty surprised if Heinen is back with the Ducks, which is really kind of dumb because when he did play, he was one of their you know better players. Maybe not better, but he was serviceable. I thought they didn't really give him enough of a look. He did not perform as well as he could have, but he's still a guy who is interesting. It's funny, though, because over in Boston, Nick Ritchie also didn't get qualified today. I don't know what the future lies uh, for him in Boston, but at least for for Danton Heinen, it appears that it's over in Anaheim. I will say, though, that maybe it's just one of those things where he'll take a pay cut and stay. Maybe. I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't I, write I could in, see him go, I wouldn't I could, write in an ink that he's I could see him back. going to Seattle or going to Vancouver going to closer to home yeah I mean there possible. was that trade potentially that happened that was going to be Jake for Tannen who got bought out today for for Danton Heinen yeah yeah, yeah. With looks like the Ducks dodged one there Tannen now how how awesome is it that the Ducks were in on him yeah fantastic fantastic so want to get some questions sure all right, so for those of you watching on YouTube, yes, we're on YouTube. Go to youtube.com slash crash the pond. Uh, subscribe to our videos, like our videos there. Um, trying to grow it uh, over there. Or watching, or, or sorry, or listening on your favorite podcast services. We do a uh, live stream of the show each and every time at twitch.tv slash crash the pond, where you can support the show. If you have Amazon Prime, you get one free Twitch Prime sub each and every month. You do have to hit that subscribe button after 30 days. Uh, it does help support the show more than you can imagine. You get special emotes in the chat special badges next to your name and enormous elephant uh three days ago actually subscribed to us uh oh wait this all happened while we were doing our live stream that's why that's there but uh the big thing today is science cat 108 our good friend jess uh gifted out five subs so thank you so much for oh, that jess thank you um so let's hit this shaken wing said do you think that bob marie's actually or actually believes that he is in a rebuild i think so i, I think i mean he said it he's at least said it publicly that that they're in a re 
a reword, whatever you want to say, recall, yeah, yeah, rebuild, yeah. reset. So I think, yes, that, I think that's where he sees the franchise. But I also think he wants to make the playoffs. I think that he doesn't fully – he either can't fully go into a rebuild because his job is in the line, and he also maybe just wants to get back in because he thinks his team can do it despite the last three years of evidence yeah. to, to the contrary. Yeah, exactly. Um, Hopako says, understanding we're not going to be good for at least two to three years, should we not try to trade Gibson and then also use cap space to stockpile draft picks slash prospects? Yes. Yes. Like, yes. yeah, like maybe you could argue maybe you want to keep Gibson, but I mean, aging curves, goalies, it, it's all voodoo. Who knows how it goes? So, mm-hmm. and the trade market for goalies isn't great. So that would be the argument to keep them. But yes, use the cap space to get uh, draft picks and prospects. Take on guys that other play- people don't want. Do kind of what Arizona's been doing. Taking on, I mean, they took on Louis Erickson and got picks for it. They took on Shane Gostapair, got picks for it. Um, they ended up uh, getting a good player. They got Dylan Gunther, didn't they? Uh, with their first round pick, I mm-hmm. believe, as a result of that. Not real, never was. Uh, gifted a sub to Hopako also right now. So thank you so much. Uh, and now, not real, never was says, I don't know how much of a question this really is, but isn't it just insane that we're hanging on to Lindholm, Manson, and Gibson at this point? I include Fowler, but teams are just scared of the term these days. Yeah, it is crazy. I mean, yeah. Gibson, I think your thing about the term applies to Gibson as well, but definitely for Lindholm, for Manson, Raquel. For Raquel. And I just think that it's it's one of those things where even if the prices aren't exactly to the Ducks' liking, you're you're better off getting something than nothing, right? Yeah, it, it's it doesn't have to be all or nothing. And I think right now they're they're putting themselves in a box again. All the caveats this could all be wrong a week from now, but that's that's what history has shown so far. Bomberie's having opportunities to get this done. Yep. Uh, Dalton Key says, question, was it just standard attributes being discussed or do you read into how often Murray and Madden brought up leadership qualities and captain material when talking about not just McTavish, but a few other of the other prospects that were drafted? I do read into that because I think there has been, there have been some frustrations in the last couple of years with the way the Ducks have played, with the way that they've competed, with the way that they've responded to adversity. And part of that is just, you need better players and all of those things will look better. But there have been questions. There was Bob Murray's complaining last year of the kids running the room. And I think that he might not see this group of youngsters as necessarily the most, I don't know what word you want to use, the most gritty, the most competitive. So I think Who that knows? that's what they yeah. were looking for this year. And I, I do buy into that. Yep, I agree. Uh, Shadow Ops Gaming says, question, if Bob Murray does make a significant trade to improve the roster, do you see him going after Eichel, Dubois, or Line? Has Dubois been made available again? I keep seeing his name, but I don't know if I've ever actually seen him in like from an insider or kind of in the know type of person as being available. I haven't heard his name either. Uh, I mean, the Ducks keep getting linked to Line, but I'll believe that when I see that. And I have no idea what's happening with Eichel anymore. The fact that he didn't get traded on draft day is is a bit of a shock to me just because I thought that whoever's going to get him is going to move their first round pick this year to give Buffalo that nice additional first round pick I thought that that's what it was going to be for the Ducks and it hasn't happened so maybe the prices on Eichel are actually going down who knows it seems like that that it's still a ticking time bomb but I of those three I, I think the Ducks are still are still players for Eichel despite the fact that it hasn't happened yet yep uh our good friend times his question who's the next captain now that gets off has gotten uh, assuming mason mctavish 
There you go. Uh, who do you actually think when Getzloff leaves is the most likely captain? I've for a long time said Fowler. I don't think that's going to be I think the it's case Trevor Zegers. I agree. Mm-hmm. I agreed. Uh, Not Real Never Was says, here's an actual question. Why in the world would you expose a decent defenseman with uh, probably top four potential on a cheap deal with chemistry with your future of uh, defense at the expense of saving a middle six center or winger at best? Do you want me to answer that question? Because I think we've answered it on the show. Uh, yep. I don't know why. I, yep. I, I actually don't know why. I mean, the, the reasoning is that we have is that the Ducks believe they're deeper uh, on the blue line than up front. Yep. And, um, or, or is it the other way around? Whatever. Yeah. Durell's yeah. 26 says, wasn't Delorius supposed to net us a first round pick to an East Coast team to deal with their Tom Wilson problem? I mean, <laughs> who knows? That deal still could happen. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Um, Chris Kindred said, do you believe the Ducks took McTavish because they believe he's uh, more NHL ready or he is more NHL ready than the other players available in the draft and gives them the best chance to make the playoffs this upcoming season? No, I don't buy that. I think that he's just he's just the the player that they wanted at that spot. They, yeah. the, the the attributes, the way he plays, the the style. I don't think it's about if I don't I pro, I don't think he'll be on the Ducks full time next year. I I what I was saying earlier was more like a cameo, but I don't think he's going to be on the team the whole season. Yep. Uh, Rye Rose, uh, fifty four says question: When hopefully Murray is gone, do you guys think Madden or Solomon will become the next GM? Uh, Solomon. Yeah, Solomon. Solomon has a lot more uh, understanding of uh, contracts, trades, everything like that. Madden is a draft guy and has been getting, I think, some insight into those things. But Solomon has a much uh, bigger reputation, much more track record being a player agent and all the stuff that has that goes into being a general manager. Mm-hmm. Um, LewisX209 says, question, not really a statement, but hashtag bring Nick home. Yeah. Do the Ducks sign Nick Ritchie? <laughs> I mean, he'd help them. He'd be better than Danton Heinen. But I don't, I don't see it. I feel like that that didn't end well. Um, yeah, there's no way. I mean, Andre I, Kasha I, I, also available. <laughs> yeah, the Kasha deal is almost is uh, almost complete. Almost yep. all pieces are are now with the Ducks. Boston has nothing. <laughs> um, I still think that deal is that deal is now fine. Is where I'm at with it. Going with that. Um, let's end with uh, this. Uh, is there anyone? Uh, that you want the ducks to target in free agency when it starts on Wednesday. Let's um, end with that question. I haven't really thought about free agency too much, but I think the ducks need to just avoid free agency. Yeah. They just need to, you know, uh, you just, I don't want to say tank for next season, but I think another year of rebuilding don't invest into this current roster just to make the playoffs, get the best pick you can one more season. And then I think once the prospects that they have start really coming of age, then you can make your push. But for for this year, no, it's not a free agency year. No. And I think really all the Ducks are going to do is sign the guys that they had. Bring back like a Yanni Hockenpah because, you know, Bob Murray loves him. Uh, re-sign a Carter well, then he can May. say then then he can say that he wins the the Hayden Flurry <laughs> the situation. Hayden Flurry situation. Yeah. yeah, basically a side deal of a of a seventh round pick. Uh to, to not lose Yanni Hagenpaar or whatever. You, even though Hagenpaar was like a UFA, so it wouldn't have Whatever mattered. insane math you want to go with there. Yeah, who knows? I mean, do you think the Ducks, the, the one thing that I've been wondering, do the Ducks bring in a backup goalie? Or do they just trust Stolars? I think it's Stolars. You think so? I mean, for the Ducks, why would you want an awesome backup goalie next year? Maybe in case Gibson gets hurt, and so Stolars is a Well, this is true. Guy. They do want to make the playoffs. But I think, I think Stolars showed enough to where you can give him the you know, the, the, the head start. And then you, maybe you don't think they maybe revisit Frederick Anderson, Jonathan Bernier. Yeah. 
Maybe. I mean, I, Bernie, I, don't, I suppose. I don't think they do. I don't I, think. Why would they do that? Doesn't make yeah. sense. And they and, I, they and they have AHL goaltending depth. So then, what do you do with with Stolars? It just doesn't make a ton of sense. Yeah. Yep. I agree completely. So I think that's probably going to do it for us tonight. Okay. Well. You know, Jake, I was saying before the show, we got to stay under an hour and a half, and we we did that. I, I did that, it just for you. I don't I don't think you did. If it were up if it were up to you, we would we would be. I don't know. I I feel like we we didn't we didn't try to go fast. It just kind of our thoughts were ready to go. They were ready to be. We were well uh, informed. Uh, yeah, it, it was a good show. I I enjoyed this one. Uh, hope hopefully everyone else did. If you've been enjoying our show, what we've been doing, there's a few different ways to support us and. One of the main ones, actually, is you can just search us on Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and a review. And, Jake, did you read this review on last week's show? I did. Week's show? Uh, did. Which one? We got a new one today. Yes. Yeah, so the I read the one from Blake T32. I think we I've read that twice now, honestly, maybe three times. But, no, I have not read the one from Steely Jeff uh, yet that came on uh, July 19th. And this is longtime listener of the show. From mm-hmm. way back in the Mixler days, Oof. the honey. Do you remember Honey Badger? When I would, yeah, when I would use my phone as a uh, as my camera. Yeah, <laughs> way Oof. back when, way yes. back when. Yeah. Um, but here it is. It's great pod, five stars. It says I've been following the gang for years, and they're a great group of podcasters slash analysts when it comes to the Anaheim Ducks, NHL, and hockey in general. I catch them on twitch.tv slash crash the pond. Thanks nice. for the plug. Whenever I can. <laughs> My only displeasure with the pod is that Felix hates cornbread. <laughs> I'm enjoying this trend of my food takes being bashed. In yeah. Our, in our you know, reviews. next person to give a review, say what your other uh, least favorite take from Felix is. <laughs> oh, I'm sure there's five, a five few. star review. Five star review, though. I'm sure there's a few. But yeah, thank you, Honey Badger, longtime supporter, Ring of Honor uh, supporter. Uh, we need to come up with something. Hall yeah. of Famer. Yeah, up anyway. there. Longtime listener. Long-time yep. listener, first-time caller. If you if you manage to stick through the early days, then my, my hat goes off to you because... Uh, Shaken Wings asking, what's today's holiday? Oh, man, you really... Our listeners now are keeping you uh, accountable. You know, <laughs> just like uh, we try because, to do uh, by keeping Bob you, Murray accountable. Because you would not. You know, you and I are too busy keeping Bob Murray accountable with all the things that he says that someone else has to keep you accountable with the bits that you've come up with. So, ooh, there's a few of these that are good. Um, I'll, I'll go with this one. Today's National Aunt and Uncle's Day. So there you you're, go. You're an I am an uncle. uncle. I yeah, am an uncle. Happy, happy Aunt and Uncle Day to you, Jake. Um, you know, big of you. Big of you to be an uncle. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, for everybody else out there, call your aunt, call your uncle. Let them know, hey, guess what? Yesterday was National Your Day. It's also National Bagel Fest Day. I love bagels. I love bagels. So might have to go celebrate that one after this. Who knows? Anyway, go, go get a bagel. Everyone. Anyway, I thank thank you for whoever brought brought up this, uh, this nice distraction here. I got to stay true to the bit. Thank you for keeping me accountable. Other ways that you can support our show. Uh, check out our Patreon page, uh, patreon.com slash crash the pond. We're going into the, the dead of summer a little bit here after free agency is going to be over. Still plenty to talk about, though. So for a dollar a month, you get access to our patrons-only Discord chat, which is a ton of fun. Uh, you can connect with other diehard Ducks fans there. And when there's breaking news, when games are on, it's a great place to be. It's a great place to chat. One of the best places to talk hockey. For $5 a month, you get access to the chat still and also two bonus podcast episodes. So if you can't get enough with our four monthly episodes, well, then on the regular show, you get two more. 
we go into league-wide topics. We do rankings. We go more into uh, deeper Ducks topics where it's not just the news, but just like how would we reshape the roster, different things like that. Um, and sometimes we just go completely off script and talk about shows or video games or, or who knows, food. But uh, you get you get more in-depth analysis there for sure. $15 a month. So for this summer right now, for the next month, I don't know exactly what we're doing with this team. I, I can tell you what we're doing. I can give everyone the information yeah. here. Everyone so in. real quick, let me give everyone the uh, the info for the next month for this podcast and the layout of what's going to happen. So we're planning on doing two main shows um, in August, the first two Mondays of August. And then the other two Mondays, we're going to take off, take a little bit of a break. We, from doing the the main podcast, uh, that is the current plan. It may change. Keep uh, We'll keep you in the loop here on Twitter and everywhere else. Um, and then we will still have two uh, bonus episodes for the $5 tier, um, $15 tier. We'll get access to those, obviously, as well. But uh, we will not be doing a second watch along this month. We will not be doing the watch alongs next month. Just be able to get a little bit of breather, a little bit of break. If you are subscribed at that tier already, I've messaged you on Patreon. Check your messages. Um, we've offered you a little, little something as a thank you um, and to as a make good for not uh, having those watch alongs. And the watch alongs will be back. And so if you're thinking about subscribing and want to do the $15 tier, uh, do it. Message me. We'll, we'll give you a little something as a thank you. Yep. So that's all at patreon.com slash crash the pond. few other ways that you can uh, support the podcast. Uh, so we already talked about Apple podcasts. Leave us a rating and a review there. We will I, read, read it on the show. One sec. Want to be up front. I realize I should make it clear what you're getting. If, if yeah. you go at the $15 tier, you, we will uh, get you a shirt. If you sub shirt. at the $15 tier uh, for August, That that's kind of going to be what's there. Yep. So it's going to be a little bit cheaper than buying the shirt by itself, but uh, hopefully you'll stay on for the actual watch alongs afterwards. Yep. And if you're not on Apple Podcasts, you can get us wherever you get podcasts. Uh, Spotify is the big one there. We are on Spotify. Check out our YouTube page, youtube.com slash crash the pond. Jake posts the video version of the pods there. So when he's putting charts up, when his cat Salem comes into the picture, you get all of that. I'm trying you to get... get her to come right now, but uh, she does not want to move. <laughs> Which is ironic because she's usually just jumping around everywhere, climbing all over. She is absolutely crazy. So yeah, so that's at that youtube.com slash crash the pond. Uh, you can also go to our website, crash the pond.com slash shop, get yourself t-shirts, hoodies, maybe not hoodies for the next couple months. Cause it is going to, it's going to getting hotter and hotter. I mean, some people want to sweat. Yeah. You know, if you're cutting weight for a, for a C- wrestling tournament or CJ something. was rocking it yesterday at the rink. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Look good. Good look. It did. Um, so yeah, crashthepond.com slash shop. Got articles up there, uh, some breakdowns of the last, all the news that happened in the last week. We're also on Twitter at Crash the Pond. Crash the Pond is on Facebook. Jake is on Twitter at ReindeerGames91, and I'm on Twitter at Felix underscore Sicard. So that is going to do it for us tonight, guys. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Hope uh, you've been enjoying all the news that's been trickling in. There will be more, and we will talk to you next Monday. Have a good one. Bye.